Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Very happy to be with you again today. And thank you for joining us again today. It is a blessing to come and study the Word of God. There are many things in this life we can do, but to be able to come before the Creator of the universe, to learn from Him and to apply in our life, I think that's a privilege which we cannot really compare with other things in life. I would like today to be mindful of this fact. And if you're home listening, just bring a Bible with you, open the Bible with us. Or if you're driving, just follow us up and we'll try to do the best we can to have a good Bible study today. For the last couple of months, we were talking about how to interpret Scripture. And today it's a beautiful uh, study, which we are going to look into how Jesus also inviting us to relate to the Word of God. Before we uh, go further, I would like just to start with a word of prayer. Ken, would you like to lead us, please? First thing, Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity that we're all here today, Lord, to put forward your words, words of life, Heavenly Father, out of the Bible. Lord God, these words that you've put in this book are so incredibly important to every living being on the planet. Just pray, Lord God, that if the people hear these words today, that the Holy Spirit would open their minds and open their hearts, and they would search these things out, so that they too, Heavenly Father, may be blessed with the abundant life and the wonderful prospect of life ever after in the sin return of Jesus. We just thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity that we have to put your words out there and all these things, Heavenly Father, we give you the praise and glory, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ken. And um, I would like also at this point to welcome uh, our panel. Uh, thank you, everyone, for taking a bit of time aside for this Bible study. I would like to welcome uh, Helen. How are you, Helen, today? Very good. Thank you, Nick. And really learning lots from doing the studies that we're doing every week. Bless you all. That's great. And thank you, Len, for joining us. We missed you last week, but we're very glad to have you back with us. Well, you could probably call me lopsided, Len, because my side of my face is swollen because of that surgical procedure I had. But I'm happy to be here, and hello, listeners. Thank you, Len, and yeah, thank God for having you with us and uh, recovering well. Ken, it's very good to have you with us, and thank you for yeah, bringing us before the Lord in prayer also today. Thank you, Nick. Pleasure to be here. Lija, it's good to have you with us also. Thank you for joining us. I thank God for being here. It's a privilege. All right. And Will, it's a privilege also to have you with us and uh, facilitating today. Thank you very much for putting together this uh, study. And I pray to God that uh, you will lead us, direct us, and you are our facilitator. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. Well, nobody ever welcomes you, Nick. I want to welcome you and welcome <laughs> listeners as well. Um, you know, recently my nephew shared with me a little something about a man who saw a book with a subtitle, This Book Will Solve 50% of All Your Problems. He thought for a while and uh, went ahead and bought two books. I have no hesitation in thinking that the Word of God can adequately lead us to a solution for every uh, uh, problem and challenge that confronts us. And uh, the Bible points us to the infinite wisdom of God and uh, his eternal salvation. 
You know, if I consider that all over the world, people's personal libraries are swelling with a variety of books reflecting special interests, history, biographies, travel, um, music, and so on, depending on the subjects which we wish to immerse ourselves in. But uh, I know more and more people are urging that the Bible needs to find the pride of place again in both our libraries and in our daily lives. It's uh, probably not wise, uh, panel and listeners, to be spending a disproportionate amount of time with media, uh, video games, social media, and light reading, uh, if these uh, lead to an utter neglect of the Word of God. Of course, uh, there is a time for us to do all sorts of pursuits in life, but the Bible should be central in our lives. I think of words that were shared by um, D.L. Moody to his students many years ago. He says, no man may say that he has no well to draw from while the scriptures are within reach. In the Bible, we have a perfect library, and he who studies it thoroughly will be a better scholar than if he had devoured the entire Alexandrian library. To understand the Bible, he says, should be our ambition. And I agree. I think that the Bible should find a central place in our lives and in our daily living. I recall words written also about 100 years ago, if I may. A mind that is occupied with only commonplace matters becomes dwarfed and enfeebled. If never tasked to comprehend grand and far-reaching truths, it loses its power of growth. In fact, as a matter of safeguard against this degeneracy, nothing can equal the study of God's word. And then this bold claim, as a means of intellectual training, the Bible is more effective than any other book or all other books combined. Wow. I think uh, having the mind brought into contact with the thoughts and the mind of the infinite has just got to expand and strengthen the reader. And uh, I think this should be our gain. And I want to ask uh, you, panel, as well as myself and listener, to prioritize the Word of God again in your lives. Our focus, as we know today, is how to live by the Word of God, and that's under its divine authority. And then you have a text there for us in James, which I believe is valuable at this time. The text in James, chapter 1, verse 22, says this, and it's talking about the Bible. It says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, I've just read it for the, from the New International Version. But uh, from the New King James Version, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, And then it says, deceiving yourselves. Now, I see a connection here. You can read the Word of God, but if it doesn't have any impact on you so that your actions are controlled or shaped by it, you've deceived yourself. And I want to read another text from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. It talks about people. In this case, it talks about some widows in the New Testament church. It says, some are always learning and never come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, here is a very important principle. When we read the Word of God, 
It does us absolutely no use whatsoever unless we internalise it. The modern terminology is that we take ownership of it, which basically means, for example, the Bible uh, gives God's Ten Commandments. If we read them, and it doesn't make any difference to us, if it doesn't modify our behaviour, it's just a total waste of time. And that's not the purpose for which God has given his word. Helen? Can I just add to what you were saying, Len? I think it's so important that, yes, we can measure our effectiveness of our Bible study time by the effect that it has on our behaviour and our attitudes. And I think it it was important what you were also saying about the law. Um, I remember reading a statement, and I don't think I can pronounce his name properly, probably will, you could, Soren Kierkegaard? I don't know if you know him. Yes. He made an interesting comment on the passage in James and he said, the one who hears the word of God and does it like a person who looks at himself in the mirror and remembers what he sees. What kind of looking at oneself in the mirror of God's word, Kirkgaard asks, is required in order to receive a true blessing? He replies that the reader benefits from looking at the word only if the reader moves beyond inspecting the mirror to seeing himself or herself. But rather than being willing to see ourselves in the revealing mirror of Scripture, sinful human beings are prone to start inspecting the mirror. Mm. Isn't that interesting? And when we start criticising the mirror, we lose sight of our condition, our sin and our need for salvation. Yes, Len. With the uh, Bible, it's like anything. You learn best not just by reading or hearing, but by practising what you learn. Now, in my car, glove box, I have a manual. tells how the car works, what you're supposed to do, what this switch and button does, etc., etc. If you read it, but you never actually put it into practice, you don't press that button or flick that switch, (laughs) it makes no difference to you. So the Word of God implies personal conviction and action. And I also like to add here, you know, in that passage that uh, we should be doers, not only hearers of the word of God. In the present time, you know, in the time we live in, this makes so much more, uh, not only sense, but has weight on it because we are bombarded with information. We hear everywhere that we haven't got time to think and to practice what we hear. Because we hear more and more, and we want to hear more and more. And we are exposed so much to information that we hardly can put in practice what we hear. And I believe this passage of the Bible has so much relevance right now in this time. And we should take intentional time to contemplate on the Word of God. And I believe during this Bible study, we are going to explore a little bit more some ways in which we can do that. Yes, it's certainly not, uh, you know, we just, we can read the book to want to know, have greater knowledge of the book and even teach from the book. But unless it really changes your life, it's not worth much. Someone said that uh, the Bible needs to change our lives and our thinking. It might uh, involve an intense struggle, but uh, because we're, fighting against evil forces that wants to crowd God out of our lives. But, um, Helen, I wonder if you could turn to Philippians 2, verses 12 to 16, and tell us uh, what the Bible tells us about how we should live. 
I'd be very, very happy to do that. But just if I could make a comment on what you were just saying, Will, it's important that it does change our life. You know, we can read the Bible to study, and I think I've shared this once before, but I remember coming home from a study one day and I threw the Bible on the bed and I said, Lord, I'm sorry, but I don't want to study this book to teach or to preach anymore. Now, that seems a pretty drastic thing to say to the Lord, but what I really wanted, and this is what I said to him, is I want to know who you are. I want to find you. I don't want just the knowledge. I want the experience of you in my life. That was a revelation in my life. And it's applying the Bible to our lives. The Bible is such an amazing, powerful, it's a living word. It's just truly amazing. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be changed through it. But let's have a look at what you asked for, Will. That was Philippians 2, 12 to 16. Okay, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one else, no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Well, that's quite a long text to discuss, but I'd like to break it down a little bit, if I may. And when we first look at it, and it says there in in verse 12, you know, keep following while I'm away. How often do we find in churches where the minister is not available or they don't have a permanent minister or he visits once every four weeks or six weeks? And you hear people complaining and carrying on. You know, here here we're Paul's admonishing, you know, that when I was with you, I taught you these things, but it's important that you still hang on to them. Don't be deceived. Don't rely on just the preacher or the pastor. We need we need to get into the word and study the word. I think the counsel by um, Paul is just amazing. And as I say, you know, if you break it down piece by piece, which I tend to do, and I know we haven't got the time to do it, but I just think it's it's so important because sometimes we can get so busy doing other things that we forget the important things. You know, I was reading today where it said the more we become digitally distracted, the more we become spiritually displaced. And I thought, well, that was an interesting statement. And here here Paul is telling us that, you know, we've got to obey God with deep reverence and fear. When he says work out your own salvation, he's not meaning that we are saved by works. No, but we do have choices. We do have disciplines that we need to. We're only saved through Christ, of course. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Well, I'm sorry, but I see this too often in our world and it's breaking the unity. And I think this is what Satan is just loving. When we have the power of Christ in our life, he can bind us together with all that. So I think it would do us good to study those words, those texts more in depth. Lija? In verse 12, as Helen read here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says that, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. 
So when we study the, the Word of God, we have to ask for the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, to lead us into a deeper understanding of the Scripture because He brings the truth in, of God's Word to our attention and gives us fresh insights into the Word. So is the will of God, the power of God that transforms us internally. Our hearts and minds are like a bank. Whatever we put in is whatever we take, take out at different times and in different circumstances. Ken? Yeah, I just wanted to add to that that I think today I can understand why so many people have a poor view of Christians around the world. So many are not very good at representatives of Jesus, and I think it gives a, sometimes a very poor opinion of the Christian faith. And as we've just read, if we were doers of the word, I think more people would pay attention. And I mean, the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Were possible in the world, you can just imagine if everyone loved their neighbor as themselves. Why this would just transform the world would be amazing. Thank you, Ken. We have to internalize the word. The word has got to change us inwardly. I think of uh, some words that were written by um, Charles Spurgeon where he says, Many a tailor goes in rags who made costly robes for others. Many a cook scarce licks his fingers when he hath dressed for others the most costly dishes. He says, Believe it, brethren. God never saved any man for being a preacher, nor because he was an able preacher, but because he was a justified, sanctified man. It's got to change us. We can't just be teachers of the law or teachers of the word. It's got to change us as well. I, I, William Shakespeare in his, uh, in his play, Romeo and Juliet, actually adds a line, "'Tis an ill cook or a, a bad cook that cannot lick his own fingers.'" The Bible has got to have an effect on our own lives. Just on, um, on this also, it's interesting that um, Christians today, we as Christians, we talk so much about sin, about how sinful we are. And to some extent, even justifying our nature, you know, saying, oh, we can't do better than that. You know, we are sinful people. When you look into this passage, Paul, it's saying if you words very important. First of all, it says work hard. You know, salvation is not just, it's, it's a gift from God, but we are here to do our part. And if you do it just casually, if you just, you know, it's not good enough. You have to work hard for your bad character, bad attitude to be changed. That doesn't change overnight or just sitting with, uh, with arms crossed, you know. You have to work hard. And there is another thing here. It says that, that you may present yourself without fault before the living God. Is that not interesting? And so often we are just talking to ourselves, saying, you know what? We are sinful people. You can't do better. You know, just believe in God and that's it. God will, will do what he wants with us. That's not good enough from this passage. Apostle Paul, it's really encouraging us to be intentional, to follow God with all what you can do to, to make a, a difference in your life and in the life of others. It's absolutely so. You know, while Ledger was reading, two words stood out for me in, that, uh, in verse 13. It is God who works in you to both will 
and do of his good pleasure. Do you believe, um, and perhaps Ellen, you could answer this, do you believe uh, that God doesn't only help us keep his word, but that he actually places in us the will or the desire to want to be saved? Is that also by by God? So he does it both ways. It's it's just amazing, isn't it? You think it is amazing, Will. Yeah, I'd just like to make a comment about that. I was thinking about it and I thought, what do we do when we don't feel like obeying God? You know, is God just going to abandon us and leave us? And no, I believe that God has not left us alone in our struggles to do his will. I believe that he wants to come alongside us and be within us to help us. And God gives us that desire and the power to do what pleases him. Of course, we have a choice. We can say, I don't want that. Oh, yes, Lord, come into my life. You know, the secret to a changed life is to submit to God's will and his control and let him work. And I think that is, is very, very important. Without the Holy Spirit, or God in our life through the Holy Spirit, there is no affection for God's message. There is no hope. There is no trust. There is no love in response. And through the Holy Spirit, God indeed works in you and I both to do his will and to do his good pleasure. Mm. And when we look back on our life, we will see it was the best road for us to go. Yes. Lija, I think you have a comment. The Holy Spirit is the one that transforms our lives, transforms our thinking, our plans, our behavior, our speech. And uh, if we are living by the word of God that we study through the Holy Spirit, when everything is changed, is transformed, is impressed in our hearts, automatically it comes out. It's like a tree bearing the right fruit. So there's no change. My, it's not, uh, my will is not going to be there. It's God's will. And everything follows automatically when God, through the Holy Spirit, transforms our entire being. You know, just on uh, on that one, Will, if I can, just very briefly, uh, in regard to the Holy Spirit and the uh, misunderstanding of uh, of the influence of the Holy Spirit, even though Jesus said, you know, it's better for you that I go and I will send you another comforter to be with you everywhere. It's interesting that Christians today, many Christians will use the influence of the Holy Spirit to do things, you know, out of the this world, you know what I mean, concentrating on all sorts of things, rather than to allow the Holy Spirit to change from inward, you know, to really have that effect in your own life. I came across with so many manifestations, so-called, of the Holy Spirit, that uh, people could do all sorts of things to others, and claiming through the power of the Holy Spirit, and many times lacking that change in their own life. And I believe what a paradox to really believe that the Holy Spirit can do through you some miraculous things and not changing your own life. Certainly somebody to think about. Um, I have found in my own life when I pray for the Holy Spirit to give me enlightenment before I open the Bible, and I do not like opening and studying the Bible without praying to the Holy Spirit, I'd be found, I found that what I considered once to be like a dead letter, you know, the biblical book to me was like a dead letter. Suddenly it became alive. 
it was just absolutely amazing. And and we're told that the Bible is a living word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. And for me, that made a big difference in my study. I wanted to study more. I wanted to learn more through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's exciting. It's it's the most amazing book. And it's just totally, absolutely exciting. Even some of the hard, difficult passages that we've studied over the last, you know, few quarters. And I'm just stunned how the Holy Spirit works in and through us when we give our life to him and ask for direction for him to guide us through the scriptures. Certainly so. You know, perhaps the greatest example of uh, conformity to and uh, loving the, the word of God is, is Jesus himself. I wonder if we could just look for a moment at, uh, at Jesus. Uh, I think he's the most inspiring example. Uh, he was uh, familiar with the, with the scriptures and certainly intent on following the written word of God by abiding in it. And in Luke chapter 2, Ledger, if you could read us that for us uh, in verse 44 to 50, in Luke chapter 2, we, we find an inspiring account of Jesus' knowledge of the scriptures, even as a 12-year-old boy. Yes, in Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 44 to 50, it says that supposing him to have been in the company, they went to a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished to his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke. So Jesus loved to be in the temple of God as a child and listen to the other teachers uh, talking about the word of God. But he already knew all these things in his mind and hearts through the Holy Spirit. They were developed and it was amazing that all the other teachers were asking themselves, how come this child know so many things being uneducated he never received any study in any school but he, the holy spirit taught jesus in his heart and he knew everything and he was sitting at the feet of jesus was his desire of jesus life and he found so much pleasure in teaching others from the word of god Len, i just want to raise an issue Linda just said that the Holy Spirit taught Jesus all this, and that makes me think, well, is there any purpose, therefore, of reading the Bible? I would like to suggest that Jesus learned the scriptures at his mother's knee. Yes. But another thing, Len, on just on, on that one, because you see, back in those days, Lydia mentioned those people who were taught, you know, into the scriptures, part of those rabbinic schools and all those things, you may think that the word of God was not available to every person. Uh, like in our days, when everyone can access easily the word of God. But the teachings 
of the parents, their own experience, because again, they were faithful people, special, you know, vessels, if you like, chosen by God. And you, you see, Jesus grew up in a faithful family, in an environment where he could learn, if you like, in my language, he says those seven years from home. I'm not sure how to translate that in English or if you have another saying in English. We, before we go to school, there is a saying, have you got those seven years from home? Mm. Which means, have you learned anything from home? And that's what I believe. Jesus really expressed himself. And one more thing I would like to say here. What Jesus was saying through his words and his teachings amazed people. Now, he did also miracles in his life later on and amazed people too. But it's very interesting and important that we need to know the word of God deeply, that that may make an impact in others. Because uh, it's very easy to do things or to, but when you teach properly, when you teach the Bible in a deepness of it, uh, makes a real blessing for others too. His knowledge of the scriptures is, of course, a great inspiration to us. And, um, you know, that we have the Bible available to us, uh, whether he got most of his teaching from his mother's knee, Len, or, uh, or what uh, subsequent study during his years in the carpenter shop, I'm not sure. But um, I think that we today have an enormous resource at our fingertips. And uh, I think that we can learn and grow from the scriptures as um, we have in one New Testament character. Ken, would you like to read for us uh, 2 Timothy 3 verse 15? Since childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures help you to be wise in a way that leads to salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. I think this is a really interesting verse here. Uh, I can relate to this particularly myself because when I was a young person, a young teenager, uh, my parents sent me to church every week. Uh, they didn't go along, but they sent me along said it was good for me. I went for probably three or four years. I really got very disillusioned with it all and didn't think much of it and uh, left. But God hadn't given up on me, and 20 years later, he was still chasing me. And when I came back again, I really had that foundation of what I have already learned. So again, it's the, the illustration I often use is you're building something. You've got to start at the bottom and work up. If you already have the foundation there, it makes it a lot easier. Yes, thank you. Of course, we have in the uh, Old Testament a remarkable example of someone that heard God's voice, was open to God's voice, as we should be today through the scriptures. And uh, it's the story it's the uh, story of Samuel hearing God's voice. you want to sh share that with us or summarize that for us, Len? Samuel was a miracle child. His mother, Hannah, was unable to bear children. She promised the Lord that if she became pregnant and had a son, she would give him to the Lord. So as a little boy, not much more than a toddler, I suggest, Samuel was taken to the temple where he was fostered, if you like, by Eli, the priest. One night, Samuel, lying in bed, heard a voice call him, Samuel, Samuel. Now, he didn't realize it was God, and he went to Eli's room and said, you've called? No, 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 said Eli, I haven't called you. Go back to bed. It happened again. 
He went back to Eli's room. Eli said, I haven't called you, but he realized that God was calling this just young child. He said, next time, and I'm going to read it now from 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I'll pick it up, verse 9. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you, but you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went down and lay in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. And then the Lord gave him a message. Now, what could Samuel have done? He realized that he was to be used in a holy purpose because his mother had committed him to the Lord, only she could have a son. And Samuel, at that very point of time, even as a little boy, committed himself to the Lord and served the Lord for the rest of his life. Now, the point of all this is when God calls us, whether it's through the reading or hearing of his word, the best thing that we can do is to answer his call and say, Yes, Lord, I'm here. Do with me as you will. Thank you, Len Helen. I think this is an interesting, totally interesting story from a lot of angles. When you think about Eli and his position, he was older, he was experienced, and most people would probably think, well, God should have spoken through him. But here we had a lesson. It was like God was looking at a different chain of command based on faith, not on age or position. He was finding faith for followers. You know, God can use unexpected channels. I've noticed that just recently with this COVID-19. I've noticed that children are stepping up to the plate. They're, They're doing Zoom programs with just the children and they're witnessing for Christ. And, you know, some people may sit back and say, what are they doing? You know, they're preaching the word of God. But God can use anyone that he wishes to use, but if you are willing to be used of him, you know, and as you say, Samuel, it must have been so hard for his mother to actually give Samuel over. But her faith in God was so great that when she made that promise, she sincerely wanted to keep it, and she did. And I believe not only teaching Samuel at her knee, I believe she continued to pray for him right the way through. I thought of this even before we moved from uh, Timothy to Samuel, These two uh, examples, they have a lot in common because uh, Paul is saying to Timothy, since childhood, you have known the Holy Scripture. Now, Paul was a teacher of the Scriptures, you know, very educated man. And I believe he was not referring to Timothy that he was, again, the same, like a scholar, like Paul himself. Not Timothy. He learned from home. The scripture and in other parts of the Bible mentioned about even his grandmother, you know, and uh, how important it is to have that background to be raised up to to grow into an environment where the word of God is at its place. And I know even in my situation, many times I have, you know, my brother who uh, he's, he's an Orthodox and he's not practicing, you know, what he knew from his mother because his mother Uh, My mother, you know, uh, taught all of us the same things. But some chose to practice, some chose not to practice some things. And here with Samuel again, even though he was brought to the temple in a very young 
age, but he was in an environment at the temple there where he could grow, could learn, could understand what that means to trust in God and to be faithful. And even through his answer, here I am, Lord, answering, you know, his master, here I am. That was an attitude of well-behaved child, to say so, the least. Len, I think you, you wanted to say something. It seems very much to me the point of what we are talking about today is about a willingness to allow God to work in our lives through his word, and I'd have to say through his word and through his spirit. So unless anyone is willing, the word of God won't make any sense to them. Yes, thank you, Lynn. You know, uh, you said something interesting uh, earlier on that um, it made me think, if I heard the audible voice of God, I would jump to attention if he called me to to listen and uh, to follow him. But, you know, we do have um, God still speaking to us, whether it's audible or not, through the his scriptures, his inspiration of his scriptures. And I think that we should expose ourselves to that. Helen. Well, can I just share with you a personal story that actually happened to me? When you said, you know, the, the audible voice of God, I've had twice in my life where I have had an audible voice. Normally God will speak, you know, through my mind or through someone else or through the word. But I remember that I wanted verification from the Lord that he had actually asked me to preach because I was challenged as a woman that I shouldn't be preaching. And um, I, I went to preach at a church through an interpreter. And before I went, I had three sermons that I had worked on and prayed about. And I said to the Lord on the Friday night, which one do you want me to do? And in my mind came the thought, don't do that one. It was about Balaam's donkey. And I remember putting it aside. When we got down to the church, my sister was with me. And I said again, Lord, what do you want me to do? Which one? And I was instructed to put another one aside. And then I went to the church and I had a sermon on the good news of the judgment. I got up the front, they were singing, they started to sing their first hymn. And it was five stanzas I remember clearly because I'm sitting up there and I was quite relaxed and I heard this voice behind me so audible that I actually turned around thinking someone was behind me. And I turned around and the voice said, do not preach that sermon. And I can remember I looked around and I said, Lord, is that you? Do not preach that sermon. And I I started not arguing with the Lord, but I actually, probably a little disrespectful, I said, this is not funny. I don't have any other sermons, Lord. And and I, I need my notes. And the third time it was audible, don't preach that sermon. And I said, okay, Father, not my will. And I closed the Bible and then I opened it again. I said, Lord, quick, give me a text. And I'm flipping through page after page. My sister thought I'd gone mad. And I'm saying, just give me a text, give me a text. Found a text. And I thought, that's it. And I remember that they stopped singing. They didn't sing all the stanzas. They said, no, Finn Press, let's stop singing and hand it over to Sister Gray. And I said, no, 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 keep singing, keep singing. I was terrified. And I remember when I stood up to preach, I once more heard the voice, not such an audible voice then but it was an impression to close the bible and I closed the bible and I stood in front of all these people absolutely terrified and I I told them what had happened and I said we need to pray and I prayed and I have got to tell you that God showed me without a shadow of a doubt 
that this was a gift you'd given me. He spoke through me that day without notes. I, you know, the Bible texts were there, the testimonies were there, but the proof of the pudding really was when I came out of the church. One girl came up to me and said, wow, I've struggled with a problem for two years and you've answered it. I said, not me, that was the Holy Spirit. Another lad came up and said, I didn't know what to do with my life, but now I know. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. The third lady spoke to me. She said, I have never been in one of your churches before, but I will come back. And I met her 15 years later. She had been baptized into our church. And I praise God. He will speak to us in, in a thought. He will speak to us through his word, but he does at times speak with an audible voice. And it really is astounding. I've got it. I can just imagine Samuel because he was young. He would automatically have thought it was a, a voice of Eli. It is incredible. I praise God for that experience. Thank you, Helen, for sharing. Yes, thank you, Helen. Lydia, could you read for us uh, the rewards of an earnest search for God in the scriptures in Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. If we are willing to serve, to seek God and find God and search for him with all our hearts, we will find him because Jesus would come towards us. You know, a few weeks ago, thank you, Lydia. A few weeks ago, we, uh, we had a, a Bible study on guarding against temptation and the scripture's role in guarding against temptation. I think it's worth a um, repeat, uh, or at least the principle repeated here. Um, <clears throat> we read a good example of the word of God helping us against temptation, recorded in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. Again, we're looking to Jesus as our supreme example. And one of the reasons why we actually read scripture is to be able to counteract the temptations and the onslaughts of Satan. And um, I wonder, Ken, if you'd like to read for us Luke 4, verses 1 to 8, Jesus and uh, his manner of dealing with temptation. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, turned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom, whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus again answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. It's, it's so much in this little story here, this, uh, these few lines. Of course, yes. there is a secret here for us all, isn't there? Um, what do we do when tempted? What do we learn from Jesus here? 
Just commenting on those texts that Ken read from Luke chapter 4 verses 1 to 8 about Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. His answer was, it is written. In other words, what, how one should deal with this temptation is revealed in the word of God. Now, I have to say that not every time that I've been or am tempted, I straight away think of the word of God. However, I am constrained by the word of God that I already have. I don't necessarily think of a text that applies to that particular temptation, but because uh, I have a already within me a knowledge of God's word and his expectations of me, that will affect my reaction to that temptation. And uh, when we have the word of God dwelling in us, there will be a resentment towards that temptation and a choice to do what is right. Helen. Okay, just very quickly, I just want to mention that knowing and obeying God's word, uh, is, it's an effective weapon against temptation. The only offensive weapon provided in the Christian armour in Ephesians 6.17. You know, Jesus used the scripture to countenance Satan's attack, but he also knew what it meant. And we should also, to use it effectively, we have to have that faith in God. Because, number one, it shows me that Jesus spent precious quality time with God in studying the scriptures, which we too need to as well. But it also tells me that, if Jesus had not known the exact words of scripture and the context, he could easily have been deceived by the devil. Mm. And so to us. But, you know, um, I think we follow Jesus' example. We need to have those words hidden in our heart that we may not sin against him. And so um, do, we, do we commit scripture to memory? Would this help us uh, a lot? What do you think, uh, Nick? Yeah, that's, a, that's a very good um, question, uh, Will, because... I remember it myself even when I gave my heart to God, you know, and I was uh, uh, searching the Bible to know uh, the truth. And I was uh, memorizing portions of the Bible. And I remember I, I was able to memorize chapters from the Bible, particularly Matthew. At some point, I memorized chapter 5, 6, and 7. And a beautiful, beautiful passage to contemplate and to, uh, to think of. Now, I gave my life to God during communist time in Romania, where, uh, how to say, the Bible, actually, the Bibles, they were not very common in, uh, in Romania at that time. And it was wonderful to know the Bible uh, by memory when you were, you know, at work or some other places, you know, and just go, we were not able to carry Bibles with us like today. Today we have the the phones and everything else, you know, and you can easily just look into the passages of the Bible. Back then, was very nice, and I know when I start to share with other people portions of the scripture by memory, that was amazing. It was tremendous to, to grow together, you know, and to learn and to, to apply in your life. I really, really believe that uh, that's very important. Now, I must admit, that I'm not very talented in, um, in memorizing. Some people are maybe better than others, but still, if you want to memorize, you know, you just concentrate on that and God will give you that uh, ability to remember some passages of the Bible. 
No, I, I almost hear some people responding. You say spend more time with the Bible. You know, our lives are so hectic and filled with tension and stress. And sometimes we have to work hard to just get by, just to survive and put food on our table. How do you ever make time to read the scriptures? Um, what is your answer to that uh, panel? Uh, some of you might have seen the film called The War Room. It's a very interesting and uplifting film for this old lady to spend time with God in prayer and reading his word. She made that deliberate choice. And I think it requires our own choices to be modified in order to spend time with the word of God where we'll get a lot of benefit rather than from watching some trashy show or whatever it is. <laughs> What's most important? To food on the table, it's necessarily, yes? And even God says that seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you, you know? I mean, God knows how to give it to us. But we need to be intentional of knowing the word of God to prepare ourselves for meeting our Lord Jesus Christ. Helen? I'd just like to point out that Jesus is our example and he was very busy. We sometimes forget that his life was just on demand continually, early in the morning to late at night, and yet he took time to commune with his father. He had the quiet times, and that's what gave him the strength to continue going each day. And I believe that there, even no matter how hectic our time is, that if we covenant with God to spend time with him, we will have that time. When I first covenanted with God, I said, if you wake me up early, I will, I will get up and study. And I think I've mentioned this before. He loves the time between three and four for me because I've got no distractions and it's just a most blessed time. Yes, I get tired, but not so much as I used to if I just woke up and couldn't sleep at all. He seems to give me strength to get through the day as well. Yes, you know, the, the Psalms 37 verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. This section in this uh, psalm that says, wait patiently for him. You know, that uh, requires a bit of time and quietness with God. I think that's uh, something that we should learn. And uh, we do tend to, as Lena said, fill our time with the things that we're specially interested in. But I think that the Bible needs to find a place, a bracket of time in our daily lives and takes discipline, as he has said. And we'll just another passage from Psalm 46, verse 10, which says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored through the world. Be still. Take time and know God and uh, apply those words. Good counsel. There's a text in Psalm 62 verses 1, 2 and 5. Ledger, would you like to read that for us? Truly, my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. My soul wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is for him. Thank you, Lydia. Yes, it takes discipline, doesn't it, to take time. You know, there's many 
many husbands and wives that are admitting that uh, my husband or my wife just doesn't have time because of busy a busy life and the whole relationship suffers if we don't spend time together and god is uh, is uh, really calling for more time with us he's not going to force himself upon us we need to find time to beneficial time to meet with him there is a lovely uh, text in uh, psalm 119 verse 11 which says thy word have i hidden in my heart that i might not sin against you the power of god to change the life and to banish sin from our lives is uh, is absolutely wonderful then well we've heard a few comments about good and bad memories and so on but you know a lot of the psalms were set to music and a lot of our modern church songs are portions of the bible set to music and this helps us to internalize to remember to be exposed to the word of god and really when we have um, music with those words it's very helpful it is to me anyhow and Len, just on that one, uh, because I was thinking exactly the same thing. My first, when I learned English, I learned through songs, you know. And one of the first songs I uh, I knew in English was uh, Soon and Very Soon, a Christian song. Now, I must say this, that today, songs in the churches not always reflect that, like the scripture songs, you know, like, which is, it's it's a bit different because you can have just a, a word or two and make a whole uh, song out of it, which is okay. But when you have scripture songs, helps you to memorize passages of scripture through song. And I think that's a good point, to have proper songs, which will help you to learn passages of scripture. Setting God's word to music and song has always intrigued me. That establishes the word of God uh, in our minds. And um, I wonder, I suppose we can all agree that sacred music has proved a boon to our spiritual lives and, and spiritual strength. Um, Helen, tell us about uh, the children of Israel, how they remembered scripture. Well, I love listening to the tunes of the Israelites and I love minor keys, although... Um, Will, you seem to indicate everything is in the major key in the nature, in, in nature, and it could be that way in heaven. I, I distinctly remember listening to the children of Israel, you know, let my people go. And some of the songs that they sang was about their um, journey, but it kept them going. It give them, gave them what they needed. I remember one song I learned from scripture and song was Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. And, and that really had a big impact on me. You know, it's one of the most effective means of impressing the heart with spiritual truth. And how often to the soul, hard-pressed and ready to despair, memory recalls some words of God's long-forgotten burden of a childhood song. I've woken up sometimes singing a song I learnt when I was a child, you know, and then the temptations, they seem to lose their power. And life takes on a new meaning and a new purpose and, and courage and gladness that we can then impart to others. You know, I think we should lift our voices up more and more in song. It's very, very important and effective means of getting the words into our heart. I think regardless of what method you use, 
to implant the word of God in your heart and in your mind. Uh, use that. Find something that would fill the memory and the, and, and the heart with uh, the promises of Scripture. We need to spend time to make them part of our lives. I, I want to conclude by a, a little poem that was written by uh, James Gray about a 100 years ago, where he says, uh, talking about the Bible, despised and torn in pieces by infidels decried, with thunderbolts of hatred, the haughty cynic's pride, all these have railed against it in this and other lands. Yet dynasties have fallen, but still the Bible stands. It stands as our hope. It stands as our encouragement. It stands as our direction finder when we're looking for God. And we can stand on the promises, can't we? Absolutely so. Thank you very much, Will. Uh, I know for this particular Bible study, we could have have, uh, two hours instead of one to be able to give justice to this. But uh, thank you, everyone, for your participation for this set of Bible studies which we dealt with uh, for the last couple of months, very encouraging, you know, to know how important it is to understand scriptures, to apply in our lives, and to live day by day by the Word of God. Uh, We are inviting you also to join us again next week uh, as we are commencing a new series, Making Friends for God. If we understood how to interpret scripture, I think it's not good if we leave it just there. We have to apply it and also share with others that they may know God and uh, uh, be with us for eternity. I would like to just close this time with prayer and I would like to invite uh, Len to pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to share the benefits of your word with the general public. We pray that people might realise that your word is not just a book. It gives us an insight into the mind of God, how you love us and care for us and want us to be with you. But all that would be of no avail unless we internalise it for ourselves. We pray it might be the will of all our listeners to take up their Bibles and find the words of life. We want to thank you for this study today and invite your blessings on those who hear this program. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And again, thank you very much, uh, panel, for your participation here. Thank you, our listeners, and I'll encourage you to call us, send a message to us, send your uh, whatever critics and uh, suggestions for this program. We are uh, happy to take on board May God bless you and keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.